Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Chat Podcast. The podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl Sandra. Ready to recap an entire 2019 Chicago Red Stars season. Lots of impact. We're doing a year in review for everybody today. Uh, we're going to put the season to rest, talk about some good things. It's going to be the, the good feelings episode, everybody. And uh, there's a lot to unpack, so I couldn't do it alone. No one can ever do anything alone. So I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. It's cold and dark outside. It's that time of year yeah. in Chicago. There's so much for us to unpack, Claire, that we definitely couldn't do it alone. Just we, as a we ourselves couldn't do it alone. We are actually here as a, as a part of a trio, and we've invited what uh, I think what you and I consider the biggest off-season loss for the Red Stars. Oh, for sure. Uh, we are joined tonight with one Miss Justine Freud. Justine, can you please introduce yourself and let us know who you were and what you are? <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Justine Freud. I'm the former director of communications and marketing with the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, was with them for an amazing five seasons and i've switched over to the mls side now uh as the director of communications for the chicago fire so you know just just ready to recap the 2019 season yeah that former still hurts still hurts to hear that former in front of you know it's still it's still not easy to say if i'm being honest yeah yeah loki uh the we we sort of us in the know right all of us within our small little realm media realm (laughs) Uh, you know, you broke the news gently to us before sort of putting, <laughs> putting it out there, right? And then uh, seeing it out there, we were still kind of like, wow, this sucks in the daylight, actually. <laughs> yeah, we kept, yeah, we kept was... sending each other, like, still sad DMs. We're like, still sad. You know what was the funniest part is after I told you guys, um, and you guys kind of found out before, you know, the players, obviously, you know, the front office staff and, and the coaching staff knew, um, but we we chose to keep it a little down low from the players just with everything that was going on. So you knew before them. But on top of it, um, after the finals, we're getting on our flight, um, feeling great that next morning. <laughs> and how many seats are on an airplane? Like 100, 120. Of all people, I'm sitting next to John Halloran. Like that that was just yeah, yeah. where we got seated. And I was like, this is this is my four hour flight. Back. What three hour flight back? Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. S- it was a good it was a good chance maybe for you two to like process you know the journey together. <laughs> yeah, we've had quite a journey together the whole five seasons I can say. Yeah, shout out to John, our other friend, homie, and colleague. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this would have probably been too many feelings for John, which is probably why we didn't invite him to be part of it. <laughs> he wouldn't have said anything. He would have just yeah. listened. <laughs> Contrary to the popular belief, he's a man of with strong feelings and opinions, even though he comes off as very stoic. He's got him. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean. This team, right, uh, they they took us on a ride this year for, <laughs> for 2019, honestly. And it was a pretty dope break. So the Red Stars, they ended off with their record with uh, 14 wins, two draws, and eight losses uh, during this season. And uh, to start, I wanted to ask each of you guys for a one-sentence statement on the season overall. Whoever wants to go first. Not, not everyone at once, guys. <laughs> I'll kick it us off. Yeah, go um, for it. Mine's going to be simple. I don't even know if it's a complete sentence, if I'm being honest, but emotional roller coaster. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, honestly, like wild ride. That's all like the word wild just kept coming into my brain. This it was a it was a monumental, monumental season for sure. Yeah, I think and I think I've actually whatever people 
I've actually said this a few times already on our most recent episodes, and I've written it out in a few of the final pieces that I was putting out during the playoff runs, and even most recently in having to end, end off that championship final series. But I had said a few times that to date, like historically to date for me, that this is the greatest Chicago Red Stars team ever assembled of all time. Yeah, I guess my finished my finished thought, like my finished sentence would say that this season was the season that we thought that it could be, but we weren't sure at the beginning of the year that it would. <laughs> but yeah. putting it correctly, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially considering just sort of uh, this season in particular, how we how we sort of tasked ourselves with covering the team. I mean, we were like, we're going to go in this year. I mean, we went out to Portland for preseason. We were like, we want to cover everything from beginning to end. You know, you had a draft in 2019, like here in Chicago. So we were like, yo, of course, we're going to cover that. Um, You know, then we went out to Portland for preseason, you know, hit up all the home games that we wanted to. We knew that this team was, were capable of putting together something very special and we wanted to make sure that we were sort of yeah along for that ride and being able to provide some of the more fun and you know some of the best you know Chicago Red Stars content that we could uh put out there and I gotta say they really really delivered honestly (laughs) (laughs) I think we gave you I think we gave you every storyline you can imagine right like oh this team is this team is amazing this team you know could be the I hate to say it because I'm not a fan, but the Patriots of the the NWSL type deal, they could take down the curve, they could do this. And then it was like, are they going to make the playoffs? How many, how many losses could we go in a row? How many wins can we go in a row? And I think um, it, what meant, what was meant to be definitely happened, but uh, definitely every storyline we could have drawn up or me from a PR perspective could have drawn up happened. Right. So it was, it was an amazing season, but that's where that emotional coaster kind of comes from I you rem- never quite knew yeah I just remember I mean we can we'll we'll get into this a little bit more but every during you know the big the final big final streak the big six game streak at the end of the season I kept going back to how it felt that sky blue game the night before the world cup final where <laughs> I, I was it was just that feeling of like oh I don't know where this is going next um which is crazy. Like it was crazy to think about within the context of the end of season success that that moment even happened. So it was like there were a million tiny seasons that happened in the middle of like one big season. Yeah, I. Uh, it's so well because of the the type of streaks that this team took us on this season. You know, sort of opening up, opening up this season with these two draws, right? And then like never getting a draw again and then going, going on a series of like win streaks and then going on a series of losing streaks, like having two, uh, two, three game losing streaks within, within this, you know, window of a season and sort of like you guys said, like whether it was emotional roller coaster or a wild ride, like sort of really putting, uh, and I'm sure themselves too, because obviously the players are going to be feeling the brunt of that more than anyone else, whether you're covering it or viewing that type of stuff as a fan, um, sort of going through that stuff. And it was really sort of dope to kind of get some players' perspectives on all of that heading into their playoffs, you know, whether, uh, you know, the interview that I had with, with, with Casey or, you know, talking to Yuki or talking to Sarah like right around the semifinals and heading into the championship final and sort of talking about and like kind of even 
using the regular season and reflecting on that in their preparation for these playoff games on how wild the season really was and like sort of the type of personal challenges that they had to like overcome and like face themselves like as individuals and like as a team to try to really push themselves and get through those low moments because you know, for some other teams, depending on how, you know, the type of personalities and egos, if there are any, like, within the locker room, that can, those type of moments can, like, really kind of make or break a team. And it was really good to see them not sort of get too down on themselves and then know that there was going to be better from all of them in the future. Right. Maybe, yeah, maybe, like, uh, the, the whole context being that it was obviously like a season of a certain amount of adversity for players uh, and the team itself on both a personal and kind of an organizational level. And so in a way, maybe it makes sense that it ended with a little bit of adversity too, <laughs> that uh, they can maybe overcome in the future. Like there, you know, highs, uh, peaks and valleys has been the whole season. So <laughs> it kind of makes sense that it ended with one as well. Nothing's easy, right? Got to have that heartbreak to build up. <laughs> Guys, it still hurts. <laughs> I was telling Sandra before we started, like I was dipping through just to remember all of the games. And on the NWSL website, they've just added the postseason to the season. So it's just like boop, 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 zero, four. And I was yeah. like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was a killer, but you're, you're just right. You're dead on. And like, in terms of, I think if any other team would have had the adversity of what this team went through. I'm not sure if it would have had the same outcome, right? I'm not sure if they would have had that six game win streak to end. Um, I think this 2019 squad was something special. I think, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever see a team again. This one still hurts too, but with a Sam Kerr and a Julie Ertz and Melissa there, Yuki Nagasato, um, Casey Short, Sarah Gordon, right? Where you have all of these players that have truly become the family, like, it, it, it's a crazy dynamic, but these players truly took on that locker room. And I, I can't imagine that any other team had that sort of dynamic. I know North Carolina says it quite a bit or they're underdogs and their family and stuff, but being inside this locker room and being a part of this team um, with the, with these players was definitely something special that I hadn't seen in my five seasons or even, you know, playing soccer throughout my, my years. I thought, um, just to piggyback on that, I thought, I, I can't really remember right now if this actually made it into the piece, but when uh, having the interview that I had with, with Sarah and she specifically, you know, mentioned those low moments and literally said how, you know, they it would have, for another team, like it would have been easy to sort of turn on each other, but they didn't ever find themselves like getting wild on each other, like in the, in the locker room where nobody was getting out of pocket at each other. That it was just one of these things where it was a sense of, like you said, like very family oriented, very like sort of keeping it real with each other. And like, you know, the word accountability, whenever I would talk to certain players would kind of For get sure. thrown around a lot as well, which is always yeah. something that I'm trying to pay attention to whenever I'm talking to any of the players or any of the coaches. Um, the Red Stars have always sort of been a team uh, that have been, you know, have always expressed the, the concept of like being a unified team, the concept of family. Um, and it's really easy to sort of maybe try to find holes in that. But when you're talking mm -hmm. to this team, when you're talking to this coaching staff, when you're talking to these players, they're all, their messaging is always the same and always similar. And that's when you sort of know, that's how you can tell it's real. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not lying to you. It's, it's the truth. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we also, you know, we talked about this a lot throughout this season, and um, I think we talked about this a little bit at the end of last season, too, after the, the semifinal loss, which is just um, – it definitely seems like one of the priorities of, of the Red Stars, particularly this year, was just also just to get – to understand the responsibilities and the expectations and the stresses of, of going through a year like this one and just making sure that everyone gets through intact in a way. And so I think that that was always a feeling, even with the wins and with the losses, which was just, you know, we're not going to freak out, you know, and we're not, it's that thing, not going to turn on each other. And um, it definitely seemed like this was a squad that valued each other as human beings, maybe even first before, and then turning that into a soccer team that played good soccer. Yeah, I think I think it goes from you know top to bottom when you say that. Um, it definitely originates and starts with the the players on that field. Um, but if you look even at the bench, right, like they're the first ones cheering. If you look at the all access videos, it's Nikki Stanton and Emily Boyd jumping up and down. You know, first ones off the bench to cheer them on, um, and first ones to go onto the field when somebody needed to step up this season. Um, but I also think it's a front office type of composure and, and coaching staff type of deal too. Um, everybody kind of buys into what the red stars, I don't want to say creed, but you know, motto is, which is just, you know, truly being a Chicago type team, which is the blue collar head down, get to work. Um, it might not always, might not always be the, uh, cleanest or best way to do it, but it gets done. And I think that's where you can see it from top to bottom from, you know, the Julie's on the field to the, you know, Mike's in the sales office. It's, it's just truly everybody's bought into that process, into that family environment. In in sort of uh, looking back on this season and maybe even looking ahead a little bit, you know, I know for, for Claire and I, when we had to do, do a similar episode last year, right, and putting, recapping the 2018 season and sort of looking forward and getting and comparing the two, the two vibes of season endings. I remember my feeling on last season ending, it just sort of felt like the Red Stars maybe ran out of time a little bit. I felt like they were playing some of their better soccer, and we saw that semifinal between them and North Carolina in Portland and really taking North Carolina to task and just weren't able to get the finishing behind them on that day. And it just almost really felt like this team was becoming this really cohesive unit. And they just kind of ran out of team. Like what would this team would have looked like if they maybe had like just maybe two or three, even four weeks uh, left together. And uh, it left me with a lot of just like feelings of, you know, excitement and like feeling that this team was, you know, just feeling eager and feeling ready to see this team take the next step. And I felt like in 2019, um, they did that this season and, watching them go through what they went through this season and sort of pushing themselves and then even down to those last six weeks going on the streak that they went through to propel, really propel themselves into the playoffs, get the home semifinal. Uh, it just felt like it almost felt scripted. Like it almost felt like, yeah, this is exactly how they planned it. Like they planned to do it this way. Like we like, this you're welcome. Was, yeah. Like this was exactly <laughs> This was exactly how it was going to be. And now that this season has concluded, like obviously there's there's obviously some offseason news that we'll we'll get to in a little later in this episode, but there's like this a different feeling obviously going into next year, whereas maybe last season's ending, I was feeling like eager and ready to see this team sort of like take the next step. Like now I'm feeling different feelings of I, I have some anxiousness, right? But that's only because 
Uh, we don't know what's going to happen next. But I also have like a huge feeling of excitement surrounding this team for 2020, which uh, I think maybe Claire, you and I might be in like the rare minority of that. I'm very excited <laughs> to see what the Red Stars you know? put together <laughs> for 2020. So in saying all that, like that's kind of what I want to like present to you guys. Like what are your feelings sort of comparing last season's ending to, to this season's ending and heading into 2020. I'll let Justine go first because this was a bigger ending this year for her than it was for me. Yeah, I think obviously it was no secret, right? We had the semifinal loss, semifinal loss, semifinal loss, semifinal loss. And it was just to a point where what else can we even write or do at this point um, to break that curse? So breaking that curse, I think is a very, that's what made this year feel a little bit different. Um, I think even if we were on the five game high and then losing the semifinals, you kind of just are, okay, what is it about this team that can lose five years in a row in the semifinals? Um, so making it to the finals is, I think it, it, you can only go up from there. Um, doesn't mean you're winning it or even making it to the finals again, but you know what that experience is like, you know what it takes to get there. You know what it's going to take in the locker room. You know what it's going to take on the training field. So now it's kind of trying to break that into how can we get that into 2020 and kind of break that. But I think there's a lot of question marks, right? So for 2020, is there an expansion team? So is there an expansion draft? If that happens, what are the rules? Are they going to follow the same Orlando Houston guidelines? Um, you would assume so if it's only one team. Well, you know, the next 2021 could be two teams, which you also don't want to dilute the talent at that point. But you're also losing Sam. That's that's no surprise. She's announced that. Um, so that's obviously the biggest. I don't even think just the Chicago Red Stars, right? I think just this league in general. Um, one of the most genuine people I've ever met off the field and one of the best talents I think the NWSL and women's soccer might ever see on the field. Um, so losing her for the for Chicago is going to be huge. Who's that goal-scoring person? Um I know we lost Michelle and Moths in the beginning of season, obviously with their ACLs. So that was a heartbreaker and seeing them return. Um, but again, if you get that 2020 expansion, what does that team kind of look like in terms of who are they choosing to save? How are they going to use those first round draft picks? Um, do you kind of use it to manipulate in a different way of how you're going to take it from the expansion draft? Um, I think anybody can go look at what, you know, Kansas city and Portland did when Orlando came into it with the whole Alex Morgan and all of that stuff going on. Um, but we all, I, I don't think there is a stronger core, even with Sam gone in the NWSL. Um, people might say, you know, North Carolina, but I, I truly think the core of what the red stars have is probably too deep. Um, with talent and veteran talent and a lot of strong, I think there's a lot of strong people on the bench that start on any other team in the NWSL. Um, so that that's kind of the outlook for 2020 is I think there's a lot of question marks that I don't think those questions get answered until we know what the outlook of 2020 is for the NWSL. So if Sacramento is coming on, you would think it has to be announced by the end of this month in terms of getting the expansion draft done um, and everything else in that realm. But then you look back and I think this team has truly only gone up. And I think a lot has to go. I'll go back. I think a lot does have to go back to Sam Kerr being traded and Nikki Stanton. I right. don't think people truly understood what Nikki meant to this team. Um, she could be saying um, she I truly have no idea. But what those two brought to this locker room is, I think, why you saw that dynamic change. And I think you saw that curse broken. 
um, with or without same scoring. She just has that type of personality that changes the locker room. Um, so I think that definitely changes. I think you saw a lot more push in the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes, which if you look at our scoring drives in the previous seasons, we normally used to score right in the middle, right? Never in the first 15 or last 15. If anything, we got scored on in the last 15. And I think this team learned how to win. Um, Cause if you go back to 2018, I don't know it off the top of my head, but 10. it was what? 10, 10 draws. That's exactly that's a lot. 10 draws. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah, we t- we talked about lot. it a lot this season. Just <laughs> That's a lot. Um, but then I think you see a team that, you know, that's learning how to fight, you know, in the Orlando game when that tide kind of switched. Yes, Sam Kerr was involved, but it was Casey that came up and scored. Um, so I think this team's learned how to win in 2019. So that's what I'm excited about at 2020. Um, but I do think there's a lot of questions, obviously, with Sam gone. Gilly obviously stoked for her having her first baby with her husband, Evan. But when is she returning? Um, if expansion happens, who is the save list with Michelle returning and Moss returning? Um, how great can that outside flank be? Um, I think there's a lot of question marks, but I think that's what makes it more exciting. Right. I mean, I think for me, you just, you know, basically said all of the things. But um, <laughs> uh, for me, basically, last year was uh, the feeling of, wow, I'm really excited to see what this particular group of players can do next year. Um, and then this year, it's it's almost a stronger feeling in a way because it is accepting that and I, I said this all season. We said this all season. This was a special year. It was always going to be a special year, and it was never going to look like this next year. Um, and accepting that is its own process because it was a very special team. But also, in a way, this is this is just what sports are. And players come and go, and eras come and go, and the team continues. And so that is part of why this is a thing that people get so hooked on because there is constant change. Um, which can be exhausting, um, both like physically, mentally, and emotionally. But, you know, Chicago, it, I think Justine's right. I think that you have you have the same core that they had that they've had for a long time. Um, it's just now figuring out what happens next. And I think even and the thing for me, and and obviously this is not really a fan perspective, but even if next year turns into a rebuilding year, that's also interesting. And so we'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah, we'll be here. Right. <laughs> to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> we'll be here. We'll be here to podcast about that. You can hear the episodes talking about like this is great or what is going on. Also, I was told that professional soccer players don't need to learn how to win. So I'm a little bit confused by that statement. But <laughs> that was a great tweet. Oh man. Well, we're not tasked with covering that team, so nope. we're not gonna get it. We, this is a this is a Chicago Red Stars podcast. We're going to keep it on the Red Stars. Uh, we're going to keep the good vibes and feelings going. Uh, talk. We're like starting to dabble into like talking about goals and talking about games. So we're just going to like jump into that now because there were so many amazing moments to take place uh, in this season. But if you guys had to pinpoint uh, like a favorite game this season, which one would you guys uh, roll with? I mean, it has to be the 17K North Carolina win. That was like Does the it? best. Does it have to be that I, one? I, I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, this is an I feel statement. I feel that that has to be it. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so not, I'm not, not only... going to say that, even though oh. I, you know, managed yeah. so much of that, right? Like, 
I, it was amazing, right? Like that feeling probably still hasn't gone away. And I, when we saw the 17,000 in there, it was like, holy crap, we did it. Yeah. Um, but it was also one of those things where it was so hectic that day that I don't think I got to appreciate it until I woke up the next morning. Um, but I actually think, you know, the game that kind of stuck with me was that Orlando game right. where we scored and then the extra minutes with Casey and it all just kind of came together right there. Cause I think if you tie that game, um, and not to say Orlando had their shots, right? Like it, we could have definitely gone the other way around, but I think if you tie that game, the outlook of our season turns a little differently. I think going on that high, we went straight from, so we flew to Orlando, Orlando to sky blue. Right. I don't think you have that same type of vibe for that. It's a, it's a week on the road, which I know a lot of other, you know, pro sports teams will say that's not a lot, but for women's soccer and soccer in general, that's a long time on the road. Um, and you're, you're with, you know, the same 28 people every single day. Um, and that's why they get so close. But if it turns into a loss, how does that kind of affect the road feel um, as well? So just being there for that Orlando game, being on ESPN um, and kind of how it went down and Casey getting that goal, I think just kind of switched. I think that was a true turning point for 2019. So that is my, that's my game of the year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the that game was oh man ridiculous, and you had you had traveled for that game too, right, Justine? I remember seeing you like on ESPN. In the yeah, yeah, that oh, so was, you were um, there. Liter- I was, wow. and what what was funny is like you have to go down for post game ESPN interviews as soon as the final whistle goes, right? So I I had gone down with Jackie, the Orlando PR person, and we're sitting in the tunnel, and the tunnel happens to be obviously right next to that goal that we scored on, and supposed to be professional up in the press box right but there was an emotion that came over to me while we were in the tunnel and I'm with all of these Orlando people (laughs) and I just fist bump and go hell yes right and I was just like I'm so sorry I was like we're not in the press box no that was right but like just getting that goal completely switches how everything changes for the rest of that season um and then the next game being sky blue and obviously we didn't have our luck against sky blue previously so that was a big game um, so that I think truly just changed how the mentality of this team on the field. So I think that was probably the the game changer for me. Yeah. I told, I told Sandra this, I mean, when we get to goal, that's my goal of the season. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I told Sandra this after it happened. Um, I didn't get to watch that game live. I think it was a Wednesday, right? It was a weeknight. Yes. Um, yeah, there was, that has to be. I mean, I had I didn't see every goal play of the season for every team, but that has to be the most unlikely goal from the moment the moment like the time of the game where the ball was when the play started and just the individual efforts that got that just like willing the ball into the goal, um, which I think you're right. I think not only not only sure from the team perspective, but just from us covering it. It was like, oh, so this is going to go a little bit different this time. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, carried all and that the way was the to first, the semifinal. That was the first time. It might have, was that first or second game? Zoe Gorlaski got into yeah, so like that right. kind of yes. change. It was yeah. just one of those things where it's like everything had to piece together perfectly, and in that moment, it did. Yeah, like I don't even think Zoe's ball went directly to it; kind of ricocheted off of somebody else, fell to the feet of. I can't even remember at this point. Was it Sam at that so, point? So, 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 Julie, so yeah. Julie takes it across the field. She kicks it out to yeah. Zoe. Zoe kicks it in to an Orlando player. It hits an Orlando player. Casey actually does some defensive right. work in the box 
to get the ball out to Sarah Gordon, who hits it to Sam, who hits it back to Casey. Yeah. yeah. Like, talk about a Chicago play right, right there. Yeah, for sure. You know how they make, like, a you know, they make the ghost t-shirts that had that mark the goal that happened. Like there should be a t-shirt <laughs> yeah. that marks that goal. Like the, the madness and the passing sequences that, that make that goal happen. I would definitely cop like for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that moment um, was insane. It was like, it was definitely like a season defining game and slash goal for sure. But I think like, yes, yeah, so the semi, the semifinal obviously was huge. It was like historic in its own, in its own right. You know, um, mm-hmm obviously that Orlando game for sure. Um, so I would actually put, I would agree with both of you that that's probably, those two are probably my, my favorite games as well. I really, I really loved the, the world cup welcome back home game. The, when you guys broke the, the 17 K that was, that was huge. Um, yeah. and it was like dope to sort of, it's dope to sort of look at some of these games and, and see a game like that happen for this team in the middle of the season, and then see how things panned out and then you guys get a home a home game and then be able to sort of recreate a similar environment for a semi final like home match. Like I that still, was dope. I still just can't believe Vanessa Di Bernardo is the one that got that equalizer. That the roar that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the roar that came out from that, it was yeah. unbelievable. I think it's really easy to sit here and talk about like, oh, like really big uh, like heavily attended games like that happened a couple times for the Red Stars this year. Like that's really cool. But I don't for I know for me there's it was like a different level of like special because, you know, just uh using Portland as that example because they become that example for the league in terms of their attendance. But, you know, for someone like me who I've covered the team for however long as I've covered them, but like I've all I've also gone and covered them in Portland when they played games out in Portland. And I am really glad that that was something that I'd done a few times because you hear from so many of these players across the league about this idea and this concept of like playing in Providence park and how that's a game that everybody gets up for, like not just the thorns. Like if you're the opposition that's heading into Providence park, you're like, yeah, like this is, this is going to happen. And I kind of didn't get it until I did go and cover and cover these games. There's something amazing that happens when you're the opposition and you score on the Portland Thorns in Providence yeah. Park and every just and it just just like this deafening silence that occurs like this just like unifying like shutting up of an entire like thousands and thousands of people is like holy shit so it was weird to sort of like be in those environments and watch the Red Stars like have a couple of those moments like whether it was like uh, I think I went one game and Sophia Huerta had like scored like a late goal on the Thorns one time and people were like, oh shit. And then there was the game that I went to. Uh, it was like that wild 2-2 draw that they walked oh, away with. Yeah. And right. Sam had a couple of beggars. Yeah. And uh, like that was another one of those things. Like people, they, they were, and there were these beautiful goals that they scored where like the Thorns fans were just like, well, fuck, of course. She scored and it was just like, silence you know so it was like amazing to sort of see that so then to sort of see the red stars have these kind of two big games with these like heavily attended games and sort of see the reverse effects of that and seeing like these mighty roars like happening for these red stars players as they're scoring goals in this stadium you know their stadium it was so dope to see and it was um great that it just really happened like more than once um that was something really special to see that you know i know you guys worked really hard on your end justine to help sort of make <laughs> yeah. that environment 
happen. And it wasn't just on those two occasions. Like, yeah, like the really big numbers are what's going to, you know, get people's attention. But really, you guys really helped cultivate this sort of attendance bump in general this year for this team. And it was really good. Honestly, it's something I'm, you know, super proud of and, and happy that we were able to accomplish this year. I think a big thing, and it's probably, I probably wouldn't be saying this if I was still in the position I was in. Um, but you know, now that I'm out of the NWSL, I feel a little bit more, um, intake on it, but I, I, I went to Oregon state university, lived in Portland for a few years and, and what Portland has is something special. Um, but it also kind of just happened. Right. So there was nothing that was ever on my TV for a commercial of the Portland Thorns are coming to the NWSL when I lived there in 2013. There was nothing that kind of pushed it. It just kind of, Hey, the Portland Thorns are coming. You should get a ticket. And it was kind of that word of mouth because, and I, I love Portland. We'll probably move back there one day, but it's one of those things where it, it was that word of mouth and it was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, this should, should be where it be. We had, there's nothing else besides the Timbers, Blazer, Narden season. And I think people from other areas or who try to say, you know, just emulate what, you know, the Portland Thorns are doing from a marketing perspective. And I actually have to completely, and this is why I'm going to say it now, is disagree with those people that are saying it. I think once you're in the front office of any sports team, but especially in the NWSL, you kind of realize what you're tackling. And I think Chicago is probably one of the toughest markets um, just because we're oversaturated with sports teams, right? Like right. we have two MLB teams within five miles of each other. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, me and Arnim sat down a lot to kind of go over what was going to be the best bang for a buck. Um, did a ton of Facebook ads, did a ton of that stuff. But I also just think it was finally getting the word out, you know, of no matter what we do from, from the Red Stars marketing perspective, we can put all the billboards up we want, but it's not going to emulate the same thing you're getting in the Portland Center. Um, and so I think people really should, this isn't a toot my own horn, but appreciate more of what the red stars did, but also what the Washington spirit did back to back, what right. rain was able to do with their move to Tacoma, what sky blue was able to do when they moved to red bull twice. I mean, the one was what, like a 48 hour notice or something like that. Um, and you can't emulate that, what you're going to get in Portland. It's always going to be different. And I think that should, that has something to be said. And I think a lot has to be said on what those front offices, but then also what the players are doing um, from their standpoint as well. Julie posting about the red stars um, has a different effect than, you know, Tobin posting about it because her fans are primarily based. They're already soccer fans that are in Portland and, and Seattle. Those truly are soccer. Let, let them battle it out for who's the actual soccer city. But I'm not sure if you see a place sell out so quickly as you do with the Sounders, unless it's Portland maybe Atlanta now with a week notice that you're hosting the MLS cup. Right. So I think that's something a lot of people, I think a lot of fans too, who happen to throw their two cents in. Um, but we, we, we did whatever we could. And, and I will go on note now. And I think myself and Arnim have probably said this before too, but people thought there was a lot of free tickets at our 17,000. Um, we had way more paid, which is an amazing thing. Um, sure. We had the $7 ticket range, but, we're making the $7 off of that when we do those games. So um, I think there's a lot to be said about the, the NWSL teams this season that kind of push, push the, the envelope a bit in terms of that NWSL breaking attendance records and, and props to Portland for what they're able to do. But I also think it also just kind of comes naturally. 
Word. It was, That's it my was one rant. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. That's no, good. No, no, it's good. Yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Everything else is soccer related. Yeah. No, it's relevant to the favorite. No, games. it's true. <laughs> I mean, I we. Like if you ask this. If you feel like you, if you ask this question of maybe anybody who watched or paid attention to the Red Sox this season, they're gonna point to those two big games. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're two heavily attended games and stuff like that. And and even we yeah. we we've tried to have this conversation, trying to explain the media side too. Um, and this is gonna get too <laughs> far off, but I will just say like the thing. It's it's. The issue with Chicago a lot of the times is people think it's a women's soccer thing, but it's not. It's a soccer thing. This is not a soccer. The suburbs are big. It's a huge soccer area outside of the city, but the heart of the city, um, the the roots there are not in MLS or NWSL. It's in all the other sports teams, especially in the media landscape. That's what gets coverage. So um, it's just it's a it's its own beautiful monster should the chicago it is yeah Yeah. you're i don't think you're gonna see a nhl team like the blackhawks right get the amount of coverage in any other city i think that's and rightfully so once again like chicago and i think america in general and i've said this before is if you win they'll they'll show up and i think we saw that in our semifinal hosting game it was like oh this is a playoff game and we saw a lot of retention over from the july 21st game but i will also say that anybody who happens to come. So I, I, I see a lot of slack of, well, the Chicago Red Stars are doing a BOGO. Yeah, we're doing a BOGO, but we also have one of the highest ticket sale prices in the NWSL. We're right in that mid-upper range. So if we're selling a $30 ticket, it's two $15 tickets. I have high percentage that they're returning to another game, right? So there, and, and then there's the parking and all that stuff that gets added into it, but this is just the business operation side of it. But I think it, it's build it and they will come type deal. And I think win and they will come. And I think we saw that in the semifinals because we did 10% of the marketing stuff that we did for July 21st, obviously, just because that's where main budget went to and look at the amount of fans that showed up. So um, props to Chicago for, for loving that winning culture. And hopefully that continues on for, for every team in Chicago. So stop saying that the red stars are giving away tickets, everybody, because they're not. Yeah. (laughs) It's bullshit. It's bullshit. We're I, didn't even go with, I didn't even give away my staff comps. I forgot. I was too busy. <laughs> <laughs> See, here to here first, folks. Uh, yeah, no, just I mean, just yeah. So many like dope, amazing games. That Orlando game, those two highly attended games. Uh, I'm gonna throw in a random game uh, that I thought was actually pretty dope. That uh, was the Mother's Day game that yeah, took place. Yeah, yeah. Courage. Uh, I loved that game a lot. It was really, really early. It was one of the the bigger wins that the wrestlers had got like in their first quarter of the season. Um, the two Sam Kurgles, the backflip that she gave all the fans before she dipped out to Finally. to the world cup. Yeah. We got to see like some really cool tech type stuff from, from Maria Sanchez. You know, we got a mom goal from yeah. <laughs> Michelle Vesselos. Like that was really, really dope. So uh, that would probably be like my favorite game and probably one of my favorite goals as well. Cause I... it just, I- yeah, the backflip. I mean, going way, way back, that Portland 4-4, too, was just, oh like, God. something else. That was just, like, that was really fun, too, because there's obviously, there was the Portland narrative, which the other two games didn't do a great job with, but this idea, that was, like, two great teams just really going, like, toe-to-toe for an insane 90 minutes. Um, and it was really funny because that game was, like, Portland – was doing exactly what they wanted to do. Like, they were executing, but then Chicago kept coming, like, right back with what Chicago was doing. And I was just like, this is great. I really loved the um, the August 3rd Utah game. It's I, I the, my favorite – some of my favorite games this year were just 
when you had just like good soccer really did happen this year. And sometimes the red stars were on the winning side of that. And sometimes they weren't, but um, it's just really good product in this league. And even the games that aren't like necessarily the marquee games, you'd have sequences where you'd just be like, Oh fuck. This is, these are the best soccer players in the world. This is incredible. If you guys had to pick a, a favorite Sam Kerr goal this year, which one would it have been? Oh, you I got, mean, you got eighteen of them. Uh, that yeah. one, that one, she scored on Aubrey Bledsoe, the first goal of that the last floating, Washington oh. Spirit game. That chip, Whew. that floating chip, that was dude. right in front of us. That was, and it was like in slow motion, and you're just like, no way. And then it dipped right in. That was the coolest. It was like, oh fake. boy. <laughs> You put you're putting me on the spot here. Um, you know what? What I'm gonna have to say was just, and I see it too, just as the turning. But her first goal of the hat trick for after mm. directly after the World Cup in Orlando oh. again. Had some good moments in Orlando this last season, eh? Um, but it was just one of those moments where it was like you weren't sure, right? Like, is she gonna come back? Like ready to go and do the hat trick or is she going to come back and kind of take some time to get acclimated kind of a downer after how everything went in the world cup and for her to come back and score that goal that quickly and then just kind of go from there was was kind of uh showing why she's one of the best in the world yeah even though she's not up for any awards <laughs> i would say i would say honestly you know what my favorite one of my favorite things though about this season too with with Sam is there were a couple home games the first one was the 3-0 win over the rain and then there was one more it might have been that Utah the Utah game I don't remember um where the team won like comfortably but she herself had kind of like a fresh like she kept getting stuffed but that opened things up for other people um and I love talking to her after those games because you know, obviously she's there to score goals. She wants to score goals. She hates it when she loses those one-on-ones with the keeper. But um, just talking to <laughs> every every time she'd say, well, my game was bad, but it opened things up for everybody else, and that's what really matters. And um, I thought that even that just, like, set a great tone because I thought it was cool. I mean, there was always this narrative that the Red Stars couldn't win without Sam Kerr and that was kind of true, but not without Sam Kerr scoring goals. It's just having her on the field and the things she opened up for everybody else, too. Um, so that was that was some of my favorite stuff. My favorite goal that Sam Kerr scored was when she moved her leg to watch Aaron Wright kick that goal in in the first goal of the the <laughs> rain the four nil rain game, where she started doing phantom motions to watch her yes, teammate yeah. score. <laughs> I'm gonna like I, I think to like. <laughs> You know, yes, I think to maybe like wrap up the the season and review stuff, uh, like talk about like the stuff I'm most grateful for. I think that that's what I'm most like grateful for, specifically from Sam Kerr. We got a lot of great like phantom moments from her, whether <laughs> it was like on Casey's, did. yeah, yeah, whether it was on Casey's goal where she like jumped up, she's like, you had it like this, friend, like <laughs> jumping up, or like how she was like doing the the phantom kick for for Aaron Gilliland, like her watching the follow through with Yuki on that that late game goal against Utah to put mm-hmm. them up two one, like she just lost her shit on that goal. It was amazing to watch, like the greatest goal scorer in the game right now, just like be so elated with joy for her teammates. Uh, that's, what, that's what you have to love about her though right like I, I'm not sure if I see that 
in any other person, men or women's side, that kind of just gets that stoked to get, like, she might not even get the assist on the goal, right? That somebody's scoring. But she's so, she's more stoked in her celebrations when somebody else scores than when she scores. Right. She loves, like, she loves watching other people score goals real up close. Yeah. 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 She loves being a part. And I think that just, you know, perfectly describes the type of teammate and like how much this team and these players kind of take from her. Um, so that for sure, just watching her kind of, you know, celebrate with Brooke immediately after, or immediately after Tierna's only NWSL goal. Yes, right. And we were down. Nobody else wants to celebrate. And it was kind of like, and Sam goes over and like, no, we're celebrating this one. Like, this is your first one, Rook. So that's just, you know, the type of person she is. So it's so cool to kind of see that kind of come full circle, I think. I want to say one more thing that I'm grateful for this season, uh, since we're talking about the goal celebrations, but I'm definitely grateful for all the mob leap sellies that Sarah Gordon gave <laughs> us hops. this year. Yeah. She would like, was 100% correct on every single one of those. She was good for the mob <laughs> leap, and I appreciated those. Uh, any other moments you guys are grateful for before we get into these fun awards? Uh, I mean, this is this is a lazy one, but sometimes the lazy ones are the best ones. I mean, the the moment I think I'm maybe most grateful for is uh, Yuki Nagasato in the corner at the end of that semifinal. Oof. Oh, yeah, like so that. Good. That was like, I mean, we World we talk a lot. Best. We talked in the last episode. We talked a lot about Julie because you know it's Julie's team. Today we talked a lot about Sam, but God, what Yuki has done in her relationship with the fans and just who she is and how she's embraced this like chapter of her career has been wonderful to watch as well. And um, that being her moment and Morgan Bryan's moment, it was the two of them just like closing that thing out was really, really cool. Agreed. Hard to agree. That was world-class in the end, man. It was so good to see that. Yeah. One thing, one thing I didn't do in any of my uh, farewell posts was just, I knew if I brought up any single player, I could go on and on against for every single player on this team um, from one to, I think we had like 26, right? Um, this team was just something special. And I think every single one of them brought something to this team, right? Like you have a Katie Naughton who right. came in and killed it um, and, and took her role as it was. You have a, a McCaskill who comes in mid-season traded and kind of just jumps in and fits in right away with the team. And then you go Morgan, right? Mo, I think, is finally at a point where, knock on wood, she's healthy. Um, but she, she, she's somebody that I think a lot of people underestimate, one, who she is on the field, but also off. And I think she's just one of those people that I think brings this team a little bit tighter. Um, I mean, Sarah, so much to say about that girl. Um, like, what... 2019 was the year of Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. She, 100%. Hey, Sarah, we need you at center back. All right. Hey, Sarah, we need you outside. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, we need you to go up this game. All right. I'll spray my ass off. Hey, I need you to hold back this game. Perfect. Done. So I think um, every single player on this on this year's roster kind of came in and and knew their role, but did it perfectly. And, and if they needed to step up, they did. So uh, I think just props to every single one from from one to twenty six on coming in and making sure that this team got to the to the new heights. 
word heart agree. So now we're going to make you rank all of your favorite players from most of these <laughs> in order. Okay, so we're gonna start we're with one. your we're gonna start with your first season and then we're gonna progress. <laughs> oh man, we're going way back. Yeah. Going way back. No, but we are gonna get into these uh team awards really quickly. Uh, I know at the end of um every every one season, a lot of teams do their own individual uh, team awards and the Red Stars are no strangers to that. Um, and you guys have been doing them for years and we're going to go through these and talk about the ones that were just announced uh, for this season and sort of uh, mention like who maybe got the award last year versus who got it uh, this year. And we're going to do those before jumping into our uh, more like important, super cool Chicago Red Stars awards of our own here on Southside Trap. So for for this year, for your guys' team awards, you had him roll out as uh, MVP, defensive MVP, newcomer of the year, Iron Woman of Character, unsung hero, and then also a goal of the year. And I know yeah, for yeah. for ones like uh, like Iron Woman of Characters is really dope award that's sort of uh, been around through through the years. It kind of started with like when it was uh, issued to like Lori Kolubny like way back in the day, and it's sort of like yeah. stuck around since then. And then something like newcomer of the year tends to get like switched around a little bit. Like this year, that's kind of new, but in the past, it's it's been like rookie of the year or like rising star right for the season yeah, and stuff like yeah. that so for this year it was like newcomer of the year but going going down the list of these you, uh sam kerr was named mvp she was also listed as mvp in 2018 um defensive mvp was casey short for 2019 uh last year was katie Naughton. uh the newcomer of the year was uh Chandler davidson for this year iron woman of character was julie Ertz uh for this year last year it was like a draw between Alyssa Motz and nikki stanton uh, unsung hero uh this year was uh, nagasato and sarah gordon and last year it was cola Prico and nagasato and then for goal of the year this year was casey short's epic uh 90th plus five minute stoppage time goal versus Orlando. So I just want to say, like, for these results, uh, do we agree? Disagree? Do you maybe have some alternates that you would throw in there? I, MVP just to start with. I don't. I don't think you can go with anybody other than Sam Kerr for this one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if there's another. I, I think a Casey Short is right up there with her after right. the year she had. Yeah. But I'm not sure that there's somebody that's more um, irreplaceable than Sam on the field in 2019 and off the field. Um, fully deserved. Obviously, being league MVP, you better damn well be your team MVP, too. Yeah. Um, so uh, even if the team I, – I was not part of the uh, front office when they did these awards, but from a PR perspective, you'd be pretty screwed if you gave it to anybody else after the league MVP was announced. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I liked that Um, uh, when we did the interview with Yuki and I asked her, like, she was listed as a finalist for MVP mm -hmm. along with Sam. And then I asked her like, who's, who's MVP of the league in your opinion? She was like, Casey, my trouble. And I was yeah. just like, well, there you go. Yeah. Like that's, it is what it is. But yeah, I have to agree. Sam Kerr for sure. Is it the same for you, Claire? Yeah. Um, she's the MVP of like women's soccer. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, she's the best one. So yes. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I think we're all in agreement too about defensive MVP. I think Claire for you and I, especially uh, really early in this season, we definitely started the the Casey Short is having uh, a fantastic yeah. season. We tried. You should pay attention to her type yeah. of vibe. Uh, and I just want to like shout out Casey Short for basically proving us right. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing that I love. <laughs> True. There's nothing that I love more than uh, talking about a specific player and then everyone saying, "Oh man, you know what, dude? 
correct. Yeah. Uh, so that was dope. Uh, it's, I don't it's always, have any disagreement. It's always very fun to like make a statement and then over the course of a season, just have a bunch of gifts that you can show because it like keeps happening. <laughs> but like, That's yeah, my, Casey yeah. Shark's really good. My favorite thing to do. Probably some of the my most favorite gifts this year were like of Casey Short, just doing all this stuff that she does just on the ball and, and off the ball as well. It was, it was pretty dope. She's all right. Yeah, she's okay. <laughs> she's okay. I really liked uh one I really liked that Seattle game uh that they played. She ended up going out really quickly and she had like this egg on her head. Oh my god. Oh, she yeah. had to take right. that bump and she came oh, right back man. in and was like, All right, anyway, back to business. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it was like one of those definite yeah defenders are a special breed for sure uh newcomer of the year uh tierna davidson was given this award uh she was uh, up there i saw like they had had her uh obviously savannah mccaskill katie johnson and then the rookies as well with uh sanchez sharples and davidson up there in terms of like their impact and stuff and this went for davidson and i think there can maybe be an argument for one miss katie johnson but it's hard to knock what Tina Davidson was doing, especially within that final six, like that final six to five game stretch of games for the Red Stars to close out their season. I mean, she was uh, putting together a pretty special final run of weeks there. And uh, again, while I think there is an argument to maybe be made for something like Katie Johnson, it's hard to di- to be disappointed in, in this one. I do think a little bit that Tina Davidson is, is such a steady presence um, that, it almost she did a very from like January 1st 2019 to December you know 31st 2019 um she did a very difficult thing this year it's been like what a year that she has had and the fact that she's done it with such consistency underrated probably is the wrong word but um she just did a very very hard thing this whole year um and did it really well so I agree with this yeah, I don't I don't think people give enough credit to T and what she did, right? Like changed kind of the perspective on right. coming out early, came out early. Um, we are fortunate to have the number one slot, grabbed her, and then to come here kind of has never moved away from home, right? Like she's never kind of left that Stanford type area, moved to Chicago, which probably not one of the easiest places to move to for a California kid. Um, took on what she did with the World Cup. And then to come back and kind of, she did similar to what I said about Sarah in the beginning, we had her outside back, um, put her, put her in at the left and then kind of pushed her into the center back position, obviously with Julie in that six game run, um, unfortunate way to go, obviously with the, the injury. Um, but I think people do, I think she's undervalued in what mm, she does. Yeah. Um, people forget that she just turned 21 and I think we will be seeing her for a long time coming. And I think that kind of is seen in any defender position or even a six position because um, you're not a goal scorer, right? I'm not sure if we'll ever see an MVP in the league that's not a forward or attacking center mid a 10. Um, so I think that's that's where you kind of lose that type of appreciation because no offense to some of the awards in the NWSL. I know you guys already talked about that, so I won't say much, but <laughs> I think it says a lot that some people were put up for the best 11 and defender of the year. <clears throat> and <laughs> she wasn't even thrown in then for rookie of the year. Right. Um, so I think yeah. if you're throwing in those, those names for, for those awards, you have to throw in T for defender of the year, but she's not that type of flashy player. She goes in and gets what needs to be done, done. And I think she, uh, I think she killed it this year for being, 
a 20 year old pretty much the entire season. Yeah, word, I would agree. And it's uh, it was sort of interesting to not like to sort of see her name absent from those awards, considering um, the bit of like maybe name recognition that she has with herself. Just yeah, being a Chicago Red Star, but also you know being on the national team, you know being a part mm -hmm. of that World Cup run that they had, you know, and sort of not seeing that name, whether it was amongst Defender of the Years or Rookie of the Years, stuff like that. Um, but seeing her on this team award feels right. Um, would agree that definitely one of those type of uh, players that you look at and refer to as like a bit of a generational talent. And I think, uh, yeah, I kind of, sometimes I kind of have to remind myself like, yeah, Tuna Davidson is a Chicago Red Star and that's pretty wild <laughs> how that came, how that came to life, you know, and how that happened. Yeah. Uh, hashtag blessed indeed. Uh, yeah. for, let's see here. Uh, Iron woman of character. Uh, this one feels right as well. Yeah. You had uh, one Miss Julie Ertz who played infinity minutes uh, this year in 2019. And uh, just considering the type of award that this is, you know, in the past, like I mentioned, you know, Lori Klubney was typically the winner of this award uh, last year with players like Alyssa Motts and Nikki Stanton sort of sharing this award makes a lot of sense. They were two players who, um, you know, we're these gritty grinders. We get out there. You know, Nikki Stanton, one of those very, just became this incredibly clutch, clutch player for the Chicago Red Stars um, when she came over here. So to see somebody like Julia Ertz get this award in 2019 for Iron Woman uh, makes a lot of sense. You're not going to get any arguments from me there for an alternative. I actually wanted a joint. I know oh, I'm yeah? not going to be the, the, the max here, but um, I... I love this award. Um, Arnhem started it when, you know, first started doing these just to kind of, it is that, you know, iron woman of character. So that Chicago thing. And I think a lot has to be said on the field. Um, but I think a lot has to be said off the field. And I, I would have done back to back with a, a joint with Nikki back to back mm. going with her. Um, what Julie does on the field is second to none, right? Like can't even imagine going against a tackle with her. I'd break in half. Um, and I think you saw that in the finals, right? It didn't matter if it was zero zero one nothing three nothing, the amount of will and desire that 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 she has isn't it's immeasurable. Honestly, I can't even can't even grasp that, and I don't think any other player, um, even in the U.S. system, has what she has. But I also think off the field, what Nikki has done for this club um, is substantial. I think a lot of it has to do with being in the community and being a locker room presence. And I don't think there's anybody that you can go one through 26 that won't say that Nikki Stanton is one of the best human beings you will ever, ever meet. Um, and so that, that, that's where I think, who knows, maybe, maybe I'll shoot Arnim a text after this, but uh, maybe there should be an on-field and off the field one kind of, of in the community. I mean, she even yeah. tried to make it to a couple of our, our volunteers daughters, AYSO games during the season. Oh, so she's, she's just that type of human being that is just, if you ever, if you ever need something, I know I could call her right now and, and she would be on a plane trying to help me. So I think um, Julie is one of the most deserving. If honestly, you can make a vote for her for MVP too. Um, probably every single award uh, newcomer of the year. She'd probably knock out the competition somehow, but <laughs> I think what she, what, what Julie does for this club is, is immense. I think total respect for her and what, what she's done. Um, but I also think Nikki has, I would love to see her get this award as well. 
Yeah, I would. I would. I could see the argument for sort of uh, making a dual one. I, I'm glad that you mentioned all of her stuff off off the pitch and possibly breaking this into two. I would. I would leave the Iron Woman of character as its own thing, but I would actually mm-hmm. bring back an award that somehow got left off, like really after early in the in the seasons when you guys started doing these. Um, mm-hmm. So the rest of us started doing these end of team awards, and there actually used to be like a service award or like humanitarian award, and like okay. that's like that stopped being issued. I don't know why. I don't know why because and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that within NWSL player contracts, like there's a certain amount of like service hours they have to do in their contract. Um, it's or there not used, there used N- to be. Yeah, so it's not through all NWSL. Um, the Red Stars were truly try to make it like we Chicago is a big city. Right. And we all know there's a lot going on in Chicago. Um, so we just want to make sure they're out there in the community. And I think a lot can be said, even if that's not in there, right. what these players are going out doing. Yeah. I mean, you have Brooke, mean, like, NWSL bro- president who God knows that. I don't think people know the amount of hours Brooke puts into being NWSL president. Um, it's a full-time job. I think she's working 40 hours a week, if I'm being completely honest on wow. it, on top of training and whatnot. Um, and then you have, you know, Sarah Gordon, who created the Christmas uh, right. gift gift program. Um, that was amazing. I think she's trying to re- re-implement that for, for this season as well um, and just giving to those that are unfortunate. So I think we just have so many people on this team. Obviously, Sam and Nikki foster every single animal that's ever lived in <laughs> Chicago. Um they brought a and cat. They got, have... they, got, they got a cat, right? <laughs> yeah, they actually adopted that one. Yeah. Um, but then you also have, you know, Alyssa, who's gone to a few schools in the community. And I know that was with Nike, but I think they're all honestly just planning it. And for her to say yes, everything. I don't think she's ever said no um, to go meet these these kids. And um, Mots and Michelle did a ton with Nike Chicago going to um, running some free camps and stuff with them. Um and completely free, just wanted to go help out in the community. So I think this team does a great job. Um, honestly, if there's something I could go back on, it's probably that I didn't push it enough from a PR perspective, but I think it's so natural how they do it um, that I love that they're just out in this community. And and a lot of them truly make this their home too. So I think that that has a lot to be said on that. Look, bring back the community service award, man. You can call it something cool. Like it doesn't have to be like humanitarian of the year. You can be call like- Joe. Yeah, like community. Look, if you're Joe, in the listen, this, Joe, listen to this podcast. Bring, it, bring back. it back. Bring it back for next year. I want people to vote for that more. Like, call it like community warrior. I don't know how much poll so, I have left over there, but I can shoot over a text. Yeah. Like, make it happen. Bring that award back. Like, you can highlight that stuff again at the end of the year. Like, that's so dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I could see the where you were going with the argument for maybe tying in like a second player, like they did last year. Like it was Malta instead, and like why? Like make it Earth instead. Yeah, I could decide. Yeah, I could decide. Unsung hero, <laughs> unsung hero. This year also had had it was a it was a duly share award like it was last year. Last year was Nagasato and Colaprico. This year it was Nagasato again and Sarah Gordon for unsung hero. And I think that's appropriate as well. If I remember correctly, I remember it was a similar vibe around the NWSL awards prior season when they were released, especially those best 11s, those darn, those gosh darn best 11s. <laughs> and I remember like last season, people were like, how were Nagasato and Colaprigo like omitted from both of those lists? And then you had the ones that rolled out this year and it was like, again, another similar reaction. So to see these two players on Unsung Hero, I know uh, Yuki made the the second uh, best 11, but for somebody like Sarah Gordon, who you mentioned Justine earlier, like this was the year of Sarah Gordon. Um, yeah to just sort of not maybe be on the 
second 11 or even sort of had the, t- the type of chatter that maybe other players had heading into this voting season. Um, I think was pretty, I mean, I don't want to say it was like, all right, disrespectful, but I mean, for those of us who watch her upright and watch her in this, you know, what she did this season, you saw a weekend and we got what she was providing for the team, you know, on and off the pitch. So uh, for this one on Sun Hero, again, another one, you're not going to get an argument from me. I think these are two players, like two players I, who are deserving I of have, this. I have one, maybe one unsung hero. And I'm only saying it looking at this year's versus last year's, but I do want to actually like truly unsung hero, because this is the work that like does you nothing, but gets you back to where you need to be is what Danny Colaprico did this year to get healthy again, like mid season. Um, the, the difference between, I mean, I've said this before, the difference between Chicago playing well and Chicago playing poorly sometimes in the midfield is truly just how Danny Colaprico, like her fitness and, um, you know, we, we've talked before about how she took a, the week, one of the weeks off she took to try to get back to, you know, the, her speed and um, still kind of rehabbing from the W League season at the beginning of this year. And um, that's just the kind of work that it, it's hard. You, you don't necessarily get accolades for it because it doesn't it doesn't show up necessarily in like uh, showing off on the field. But it does get you back to contributing the way that you usually are the way that you need to. So I just, you know, wanted to shout that out as well. No, I would agree with that. I think uh, we saw the rest stars look a little bit different, right? When she kind of came back a little bit more uh, healthy and in tune to what she is used to doing on the pitch. I think that's a fair argument. Uh, what was this? That was one last one. I mean, goal of the year. I think we're not going to disagree with that either. No, right? I mean, we, yeah. talked, we talked a lot about, we talked a lot about yeah. this goal already. Casey Shore uh, versus Orlando, but fun. Fun awards every year for the Red Stars when you guys uh, roll the stuff out. But again, FO, bring back that community award. It's a good one. Bring it back. Trying to make things happen. So what we're <laughs> going to do now is get into the uh, more important awards, which is like the fun awards that we do uh, on Southside Trap. I started these awards uh, like in a written content form, like uh, on Hot Time in Old Town. And then uh, for last season, we just decided to make it as part of uh, the episode. So there was a series of like, different awards uh, that we issue out to these players and they're like the Chicago AF award, uh, like most Mitch off uh, most missed off the pitch award, uh, style icon award. And we also have a most online award. So Justine, we cannot wait to get your opinions. Um, I'm ready. I know you're ready, but to, uh, to start off, we're going to of course uh, do things right. Cause it's Chicago red stars podcast. So we're going to start with the Chicago as fuck award. Uh, last year, Claire and I uh, pit throughout the following players for our 2018 winners for the Chicago IF award. Claire went with one Miss Casey Short, and I went with Nikki Stanton. And obviously the, the arguments were that, you know, Casey Short, a Chicagoland kid, at that point doing a whole lot of awesome stuff uh, to represent Chicago as a Red Star and also profiling Chicago on the national team. So that was huge. And for me, with Nikki Stanton, uh, yeah, it was exactly as you said, Justine. I was like, I – this. She came to Chicago and she like gave a home to all of these animals. I don't, I don't know how you couldn't like be any more Chicago than that. Like she was absolutely my Chicago AF uh, player of 2018. So for this year, do you got who is the player on the Chicago Red Stars that sticks out in 2019 as the most Chicago AF player? I'm gonna go with Sarah Gordon, and she might sweep my awards based on what I just heard, but it's Sarah Gordon. Really? 
you gotta give, you gotta give, you gotta give me like a bullet point, at least one bullet point. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. makes I mean, Sarah Gordon? I'm your... honestly not sure if you get more Chicago than Sarah, right? Yeah, that's true. Grew up here. Like I don't even know what else you know, you need to say. Grew up here. <laughs> She's the blue demon, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got drafted by Chicago, but this girl bleeds Chicago through and through. And um, I just think, you know, there's certain people you would want to mess with on the streets, and I would want Sarah on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That's it. Nice. Claire, how about you? Um, I mean, I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle on it. Um, I'm going to actually go with Sam Kerr. I think um, especially, nice. and I'm going to say this, like especially in this tail end of the season after the World Cup when, you know, we all knew that the future was happening. Um, but her stance always was, you know, I'm Chicago AF until the moment the season ends. Um, and I thought that I really appreciated that. I know that the fans appreciated that. And I just think that she handled it exactly right. Um, and I thought that was great. And I feel really good about that, even just going into the future. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't think there's anything – I don't think there could be anything more Chicago than wanting to come at somebody – a certain type of way, right? Whether it was media coming at Sam Kerr with a direct line of questioning and having a person be like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't even talk about it. Like that's, <laughs> like that's incredibly like Chicago AF right there. It was, it was really, really dope. Uh, she was definitely focused on the team and uh, wanted to be like, There's, there was no point in talking about any of this stuff because what was happening right now was, was more important to her uh, at the time. So we got Sarah Gordon from Justine, Sam Kerr uh, from Claire. Those are two really great options. Uh, either or I could go with, but I'm going to actually throw in uh, Yuki Nagasato for yeah. this one. Uh, the piece that I, the interview that I did uh, with Yuki, Justine, uh, you were there with us. Uh, it was literally mm -hmm. about talk, making her talk about uh, the city and also the team and what that sort of uh, meant to her and for her and where she sort of sees herself now in the scheme of all of those things. And uh, just everything that, how open and honest uh, she was and willing to participate and answer with some of these questions was incredibly dope. And uh, just the way she talked about her teammates and her club and the city as an inspiration for her and her soccer and her life right now in this moment uh, was incredibly, incredibly dope. So uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't, I couldn't imagine like if this was like three years ago, if you were to tell me that, Two of the players on the Red Stars there would be the international players that were the most Chicago's. <laughs> I would have been like, right. you're kidding. There's a bunch of local kids on this team. There's no way. But here we are a few years later, and you've got players like Sam Kerr and players like Yugi Nagasato who have absolutely just bought in and adopted themselves, like made themselves these adopted daughters uh, of the city. So it was incredibly dope. Uh, I think those are three great players, all in good company uh, to be uh, Chicago AF. Uh, for a player that was uh, missed off the pitch. So uh, this award, uh, for context, uh, last year, 2018, uh, Claire went with uh, Vanessa DiBernardo, and I went uh, with Casey Short. Um, Vanessa DiBernardo, uh, last year, you know, had to go. And, and Casey Short, too. Like, it was both this combination of, like, having to nurse their way back through some injuries, right? Right. And uh, once we sort of saw their returns on the pitch, it was evident uh, what this team was capable of doing with those two type of players uh, plugged into their positions, whether it's on the back line or within the midfield or 
being that connector for this Di Bernardo, you know, within the top line um, and sort of seeing their presence and how much that was missed when they were off the pitch. So that was for 2018. So for 2019, uh, do you guys have a player that you're going to go with for this one? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Michelle Vasconcelos just because of how she started this season. Yeah. Um, and then how cruel soccer is. Um, I don't think there was anybody else that I, I love Monty, but um, I think Michelle was kind of coming back from the pregnancy was kind of finding the flow of everything. Um, and I think her, her outlook on how the season was going was looking so promising. I think she could have been up there for sure for best 11 based on how everything was going with her, her goals and assist percentage. So I think there's not anybody else that was probably missed as much on the field this season she was still around the team a lot which i i greatly uh admire her for i think she was there almost every single day with scarlet still um but i think that that was just one of those moments that kind of your heart just drops um when that happens and you find out the news because of who she is yeah that's a big one that's a big one because i remember uh having the some of the conversations that we had uh about vesconcelos post game uh, specifically mm-hmm. with, with Rory, I think there was a game right. prior to her actually going out. It was like one of one of the one of the many games that she had had a big game in, and him just sort of speaking to her like in the present in this season versus uh, last season. And he just very brilliantly said like, you know, she's less tired now. Like she's a mom. Like Scarlett was mm-hmm. a literal infant, you know, when right. she yeah. when she came back. You know, Scarlett's on a schedule now, and Scarlett's a part of the Red Stars family, and people have adapted and you know all of that's happened and it's become more comfortable for her and like having that environment and having that comfortability like obviously we had started to see a player like Vasconcelos thrive and it was within some of those interviews in the, in the mix zone in which he dropped you know how they had had those those conversations with her you know when you have your player meetings like hey like we want to set these type of goals for you we think you can maybe give us x amount of goals and maybe like x amount of assistance that she was like already at that point like on task with like surpassing and smashing those goals. Right. I mean, they had a set for her. It's so easy to forget. Like she was on track for at least eight goals this year. Like she, what she had set up was going to be something rivaling like what Yuki was doing. And it, yeah, it saw you're right. Soccer is, it's a cruel, (laughs) it's a cruel sport. (laughs) Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, It's hard to, it's hard to, uh, I don't know. I I don't know if this one's going to be unanimous. Uh, for you, Claire, I don't know if you had somebody else, Claire, um, that you had. Well, you know, I was like thinking about it and what I'm about to do is the thing that probably I did last year, which is when I'm going to look at this in a year, I'm going to be like, I don't know what my thought process was. But um, easy to say Sam Kerr, easy to say Julie Ertz. I would actually say, though, um, maybe a dark horse Morgan Bryan on this one, um, just because when we were talking about that that World Cup period, um you know, and you can go back and listen to old episodes. A lot of the things that we were talking about was like not necessarily having the composure that they needed in the midfield and um, getting, you know, bodied off and all of that sort of stuff. And there were a lot of little things that when Morgan Bryan came back from the World Cup, and I know it was a little bit of a surprise to us, not that we didn't think she was she was worthy, but a little bit of a surprise that she went. Um, and her that midfield when she's back versus when she was gone um 
the level of sophistication is like a whole other universe. So, um, and that's nothing against the players that, that played during that period, but um, she's definitely an integral part to what Chicago wants to be. Um, and so maybe she might be mine. Yeah, no, that's a good one too. I don't think this is going to be unanimous. I was leaning more towards uh, Vasconcellos before we uh, before we recorded this pod. Uh, yeah. These are two very good answers, Morgan Bryan and Vasconcellos. But I think um, sort of piggybacking off of the Morgan Bryan conversation, I think, yes, we can bring, also bring that back to Danny Colaprico. Yeah, for sure. Um, talking about those world, specific, like those stretch of losses, right, but specifically talking about that, that World Cup stretch. I mean, it was evident that Colaprico was playing through some things, you know, and maybe trying to find her way into, you know, her form, so to speak, and seeing what she was bringing to the pitch from that World Cup break and then prior to like that second half stretch of games for the Red Stars was like a completely different player. Um, and I thought the midfield just looked, it functioned differently. I don't, I, it's hard to maybe say if it was better because of we can, we've all seen what Julie Ertz can bring to a midfield when she's in the midfield, but with the coaching staff doing what they did and sort of anchoring up their back line, pushing Ertz back down there, keeping that center back pairing of Davidson and Ertz and then having a healthy Morgan Bryan and having a healthy Danny Colabrigo sort of anchoring this midfield, you really saw something special happening. So I think maybe I thought this could have been a unanimous one, but it's not. So this we got well, Vasconcellos. I would say that I, I, I agree. I agree with all of the other ones. <laughs> I, agree, yeah. I agree with everyone too. I mean, but I think this is a particularly interesting yeah. uh, award for us because it's like, I think, uh, there's so many good players on this team where you can almost make an argument right. for them, really. Um, but now for this uh, this fun one, probably one of my, my most favorite awards, which is the most online player. This one was unanimous uh, last year. No, this one was not unanimous it last year. It wasn't? No, you, me, and Bridget had, like, you and Bridget, I think, had the same reasoning. Wait, oh, are we doing most online or are we doing style icon? Oh, I'm going most, I was going most online, but we oh, could do okay. style icon. Oh, okay. You know what, you're right. We should do most online last. I, I was confused. Sorry. We should do most online last. Okay, so we're gonna do style icon. This one was this one was unanimous last year. Style icon was unanimous last year in 2018. Every single one of us said Sarah Gordon. Right. Every <laughs> one of us were like, Sarah Gordon's got the style game on point. She's got the shoe game on point. And like having a unanimous decision is kind of boring, but at the same time, that's like it's not boring because it's Sarah Gordon and sort of like what she brings to the style game. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have a different style icon for the Chicago Red Stars in 2019. Let me just say this. If I were to wear what Sarah Gordon to wear, I can tell you, I would not look like that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. Like I'm looking at her on vacation right now and I'm like, there's no way in hell that green bathing suit would ever, <laughs> ever look good on me. Um, <laughs> So I have to give it to her, but I also think the push from, man, we do have a very stylish, just in terms of the athleisure wear even, mm -hmm. team. Um, Yuki pulls some things out that I swear is like Nike stuff only released in Japan that I need to get my hands off mm. of. But I just don't know if uh, anybody can compete with the Sarah Gordon in the yeah. fashion category. You know what? You know what? I'm going to abstain by picking something that uh, isn't really even up for this award. How about this? 
2018 style icon, a uh, Chicago home jersey. <laughs> best jersey, je- best jersey in the league. You know what? I might have to go with that. I might have to go with that. I'm also even going to throw in the light blue shorts. Yeah. I'm sorry. The what the white away kit looks so much better paired with the light blue shorts. <laughs> it did. It did. I know people had feelings about it and they were like wanting to make their jokes, whatever, that it's like notebook paper and like Office Depot should have been a sponsor and blah blah blah. But it was a much better joke. There's always haters. There's always jokes. There's always jokes. And uh, the light blue really completed the kit, that kit for me. But yeah, no, the elevated jersey this year, that's the real style icon. I have to agree. Give give it to Anthony. Give the award to Anthony. The the style icon award goes to to Anthony (laughs) for designing the elevated kit. Uh, Yeah, that's the standard now. So whoever wants to make the kits moving forward, good Good luck. luck. Good luck. with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right, so we are going to do this most online one, the one that we thought was unanimous, but it's not. So most online uh, for last year, Colaprico was uh, your pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for Claire, was Colaprico. For me, it was Yuki Nagasato. Uh, last year, you had an amazing argument for Colaprico as your most online player, that she was very good at being supportive Right, online. she's the most supportive online. <laughs> She's so good at being supportive. She will, like, hit you with them likes. Yeah. She will, like, shout you out with, like, a retweet even. like <laughs> And, like, the work the work that is done about the Red Stars, like, it doesn't, it's, it's not, it's not selfish by any means. Like, if there's an amazing story about her teammate, guess what? Smashing that like. Yep. All the way through. <laughs> so, like, that was Claire's uh, argument and her vote and her winner for most online. Last year, last year for me, it was Yuki Nagasato because I thought, we saw the be- like the real beginnings of some really amazing online right. content, and she's transcended now to and it's like beyond that. most online player. It's, it's beyond, beyond. yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you know so, this, Justine? Did you know that Yuki Nagasato was awarded by fans the most online player for 2019? I did. I saw that, yeah. and honestly, I have to agree with him. Yeah, yeah. Like because I think she lets more than anyone in the entire league, I think the entire world see into her life right right which fans don't get that otherwise and i think that's why her twitter account is an insane amount um but i also think people love it like play the drums swinging what was she doing baseball today because it was finally sunny or something (laughs) like that in the park Uh like where else are you seeing that i do i do love danny social though just because she does come out of hiding like it's like you don't hear anything for two three weeks from dan and then all of a sudden she posts like, like one of the funniest things I thought was when she posted the um, car engine light, every yes. single light was on. Yep. Uh-huh. And it was like how I feel this morning. Cause I also felt that way, but it was one of those things where it was like, that's, that's just funny. Right. And so I, I do love Danny for like, like peeking out of the bushes here and there um, with that stuff, but you got to give it to Yuki. Cause I swear it's every single day content. It's so good. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to 2020 and seeing what Yuki Nagasato rolls out for the concert. Yeah, like how she peaked. Right. You, you gotta yeah. ask yourself. It's true. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> gotta be always. Something... You have to always be achieving with your posting. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we will, as media, be keeping an eye on as well. Yeah. Tracking. Got to make sure she, uh, you know, stays stays up to par with uh, what we're used to. So thank you all for your participation in the most important awards of the season. Uh, you heard it here. First, folks, listeners, if you agree or disagree, uh, you can let us know. Uh, add us if you feel like it, but we probably won't respond. So moving on, 
uh, we're just going to sort of uh, wrap up and start to conclude this episode eventually. Thank you, Justine, for hanging out this long with us. <laughs> Um, in terms of the heading into the, well, we're not heading into the off season. We're officially in this off season, uh, right now, uh, at the conclusion of the championship final, um, all sorts of stuff started, you know, getting underway as most things happen with the off season, the NWSL went ahead and, um, announced some uh, new rules for next year, like moving forward, the introduction of uh, allocation money, the um, talking about housing for players and stuff like that. It was all good stuff, like the raising of salaries, for maximum and minimum uh, for players, uh, this was all good things that they they announced. So it was nice to to see that and hear that. Uh, it was made official uh, for if you've been living under a rock. Uh, Sam Kerr is now officially with uh, Chelsea. So thank you for your service, ma'am. It has been real. Um, there are no Chicago Red Stars really. There's a like, if you want to consider Mackenzie Arnold, uh, the W League. She was here on loan. Uh, for the Red Stars, and so now she's back in W League. But uh, that's a little weird, too. I think we're used to seeing a number of Red Stars players uh, participating in W League, but we're not, we haven't really seen that um, for this season already. And uh, on the horizon, there is the NWSL draft in which the Chicago Red Stars have mad picks in the first <laughs> round. So we will see what happens there. Uh, in terms of this sort of off-season uh, stuff that's uh, – come up right now is there anything in particular that stands out for you guys you want to say a a nice heartfelt one sentence goodbye to Simker? well i am uh, i am interested justine i know you're you're out you're oh, out no. now you're you you've removed yourself <laughs> but i i'm interested yep. in your take on the new rules and stuff how does how does the uh, sam kerr rule yeah the sam kerr rule exactly <laughs> oh it is a sam kerr rule that we yeah. have referred Listen, to it yeah. as such it is on this podcast yes um i can say that I, it's I think not it's I think it's definitely the correct move forward from the league. Um, it gave the Red Stars, you know, whether she, I don't, I don't think it was ever about money with Sam. Right. Um, to be completely honest, I think she has a lot to go prove. Um, who knows? She might, she might come back when the two and a half years is over or retire. God, I hope not. But um, I, I think hopefully the NWSL hasn't seen the last of Sam Kerr, but maybe we have. But. I think this rule kind of makes it so she can, or any player, um, we, the league just has to stop losing them. Right. Um, I think Sam's is probably different than an Henri or somebody like that. Um, but it's definitely the right foot forward, um, and making it competitive, um, enough, especially if you keep adding all of these expansion teams, um, you don't want to dilute that talent. So there will, I think it will be interesting to kind of see, um, you know, how transfer fees start to come about, stuff like that, and kind of making it more official. Um, if anything, I'll probably be mar watching more closely now and, and, and scouting a little bit more on my side from overseas just because of curiosity, and, and I love the soccer operation side of it. Um, but I think, I think it's definitely the right move. And I think, like I said, I think a lot of players, even in Chicago, are living here full-time. I know just from social media alone, you could see that Danny's still here. Right. Mons is still here. Um, Bianca, who we didn't mention, I believe might have just left, but she was here for, for an extended time just to kind of get everything sorted here. Um, and I think you could start seeing them with the full-time housing even coming in early, which they haven't really had that option before. Um it's not like you can train with the coaches or anything like that, but you can train with it, your, your teammates. There's nothing against that. So I think that kind of gives a little bit of a, 
a push forward in terms of that because you know you'll be arriving to to your housing. Um, so I definitely think it's the right move from a business operation side, though. I think that it it will uh, we'll see a little bit of movement on the team ownership side. I don't think anybody will fully be out, but I think it will be interesting because I think that's especially in a market like New York or Chicago or even honestly Seattle. I know they're in Tacoma, but um, that's a lot of money to start housing full time. Right. Yeah. Um, that that's you, you need some good financial uh, assist behind you. And I think people have this, this thing that every team's losing money, which they are, but so is MLS. So is a lot of other teams, even on the, the other side. So um, you need that big, big financial backing to kind of make sure everything kind of moves forward and continues to move forward in the right direction. But I'm excited because I think it makes teams, you know, start to go out and look not just at, you know, the draft, but in that international talent range. Um, can we see an Henri come back? Can we see an Nadia Nadine? Can we see um, some big time players come back into this league? And, and maybe there's players on the opposite of Sam that want to come prove themselves that they can play in the NWSL. So I'm excited. I think it should be a fun off season. And I think it will be a very fun draft. Um, because I think there's just so much happening, but I think a lot still, we can go back to the very beginning of this podcast, but going back to 2020, um, and, and if there's an expansion, I think that, that hinders a lot, but I think I'm excited. I'm excited to see this league move forward and I'm excited to see how it kind of all fares for each individual team. Cause, cause you don't have to use that 300,000 on just one player. Right. Right. So you can, you can spread that money about. Um, but then you need those international slots where I think you start seeing the trades come in just for those individual international slots, which I think there's people that are very good at that. Vlatko was very good at that. Rory's good at that. Laura is good at that. Um, probably some, some other coaches that need to learn a little bit more on that side of the aspects <laughs> of things. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I think it's the right step for the league and the right step for the players. And I think, um, it's a great middle ground to start at in between the players perspective and the, in the front office perspective. Um, so we'll see, right? Like it's definitely not a bad move. Right. Um, if, if you don't have to have an answer to this, but if, if you, from, from your perspective, (laughs) (laughs) if someone were to, someone were to make like money's not an object, you know, just, just think, you know, kind of fantasy, what is the Mm -hmm. next thing that you would do if we were thinking about NWSL competition within the world? Do you have like a thing that you wish the NWSL would implement that you think would help Ooh. push it forward? Um, I definitely think you have to start getting onto um, the soccer operation side. And I know I said that a little bit, but I'll get even more into it. I think um, so much has relied on just the coaching staff mm-hmm. that I think each team at the next point, especially if we're expanding this league, um, I know I keep saying it, but you're going to dilute the talent and you don't want that. Um, you want to make sure that the best players in the world are wanting to come play here and that all of the U S players are going to continue to want to play here because it's the best in the world. So they think, and they know that that's how they're preparing for the next Olympic cycle, the next world cup cycle. Um, and I don't think you have that by just watching film over and over again. If you're a coach, I mean, I can't even, the amount of times our coaches have spent on video alone, just for our team not even expanding that um, is insane. And then you go into the college draft and whatnot. So you're just concentrating right now on trying to catch up on everything that's college related. Um, So I think it's building that soccer operations, whether that's a technical director, whether that's a scouting department, whether that's creating a scout overseas, 
um, and then truly creating a full GM position um, that, you know, you have the president that overlooks the whole business operation side of it, but you have a GM that kind of overlooks all the soccer operations. And I think, I think that's the next thing. And, and, and to make, that's truly just to make sure that everything is running properly on the soccer channel of it. Cause I think it's too much to put on some of these staffs who only have one full-time assistant coach. Um, Arnhem's done a great job of making sure Rory has a back end for a full-time two full-time assistant coaches and one full-time goalkeeper coach. Um, and then mega who's the full-time, you know, strength and conditioning, but, Imagine if you're just two coaches fully trying to look on what that next, where you're going to use that Sam Kerr role. Um, so I think, I think that's a lot to put onto one coach or two coaches. So I think building that up, um, that's my answer. Now I could probably look back and give you another answer in a week. Cause I think sure. the league just keeps changing on certain things, right. but, um, that's kind of where my headspace is and just making sure they expand properly. Cause I think they're doing that now, but I think it, uh, needs to move a little quicker in terms of announcement. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, the off season is going to be this, this off season. I think I mentioned this, uh, in our last episode that this off season feels like it's going to be pretty hype compared to mm-hmm. some off seasons prior there. I think even just off of last season or even in 2017, like the off season tends to get into this lull like nothing happens and then the new year rings in and then everything like sort of gets jump off um like signings are announced and um whether they're for new teams or whatever and then we jump right into the draft or the idea of draft day right um but it feels like this this offseason is going to feel a little different like there's going to be probably a bit more action as compared to uh prior offseasons so uh, for people who are yeah. So for people who are listening, I think I think it's a good time to like let our listeners know that uh, in this very special end of uh, year review episode that we're doing with Justine as our special guest, this is going to be our final season or fine not season not final season but final Ooh. episode of <laughs> final episode. My bad. Final episode of this season. We will be back in 2020. We're done. Uh, right? I, this is it. We just need, this is the last nap, guys. <laughs> and it was me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just need to like nap and like maybe see our families <laughs> on the yeah. holiday. <laughs> like we just need to do that, guys. Um, but we'll probably revisit everybody uh, when all the excitement sort of uh, brings like comes back up again, like surrounding draft week and everything like that. Um, but before we uh, conclude this episode, we had some questions that we wanted to center in just on our very special guest. Uh, we wanted to have the opportunity to throw it back to championship week with you. Cause there was so much excitement uh, surrounding the team heading into their first ever championship final. And, you know, for someone like me and Claire, like who had covered finals before in the past, uh, all the media days that I've done, like it's never was able to do like a championship final media day with the red Stars. So I knew right away uh, that I wanted to have fun with it. And Claire knew right away that she wanted to have fun with it. So when we got into <laughs> North Carolina, we were like content planning. We were like, man, like, what should we do to cover the team? Like, let's have some fun. Like, let's make sure that's like, we're having a good time. Uh, so we came up with a series of, would you rather questions for all of the red stars? And then we wanted to do like a playlist, uh, for them. So we wanted to play that same game with you. Let's do it. Yeah, because, you know, it's just, 
you are I just like before we get into this you were like the people for people who don't know like what your job really in, entailed right <laughs> um, they just hear like a title and they're like oh that sounds very Director important of communications and marketing that just sounds very important <laughs> yeah but Justina had a huge role and maybe I can go a little deeper into this too just because of how long you and I have worked together right um Justina had a huge role in like helping some of the content that well, all of the content that has come to life about the Chicago Red Stars, whether it was stuff that I wrote on Hot Time or stuff that we've written on Equalizer or stuff that we've written in other places or this podcast has come to life, um, getting us connected with the players and uh, honestly, like being present to help uh, bring a level of like comfortability, like with the players as well. Like just for specific example, that Yuki piece doesn't happen if uh, you're not around, Justine, you know what I mean? So this content as well doesn't happen if you're not around. So uh, you definitely needed to like go through this. And we wanted to have you like on the other side of doing this. this yeah. Imagine, imagine you're sitting at a media day table in <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina. And we and have I, just rolled up to your table. Humidity. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. Um, all right. Uh, okay. So this, uh, this first one is going to be interesting because you have a soccer playing background. Uh, so this first, would you rather is, uh, would you rather be five minutes late to practice or an hour early? Hour early, hundred <laughs> percent. You are literally in the company of everybody else except Sam yeah. and Zoe Gorowski. Amazing. Oh, figure, figure Sam for sure. Zoe, I'm a little surprised by, I think Zoe, but also I think, not shocked. Yeah. I think Zoe was, that was a true moment of honesty from Zoe. Yeah. yeah. She was being, she vulnerable. was really, yeah, she was really like, she thought about it for a second. Yeah. She was really, really, really reflecting on it. Um, the next would you rather is, uh, would you rather score the game winning goal or make the game sa- uh, the game saving clearance? I was a defender and like a defensive center mid. So like, I feel like the goal would be money, right? Like, done the clearance you only get so much credit at that point so i'm gonna go goal okay goals that's are good. money that's right goals are money yeah. kayla sarples also a defender also said that she wanted to do the the game winning goal her and sarah gordon were defenders yeah. who were like give us that goal it's gonna yeah be give me the goal uh this was a special question that we uh got from supporters group chicago local 134 uh, okay. We wanted to give them the chance to have a question um, on this day to to ask the players as well. So they came up with the following, would you rather? So would you rather jump in Lake Michigan in December or seeing karaoke live on TV? Ooh, jump in Lake Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were, there were, that was the majority, but there were a few people who were like, we definitely do the, the live karaoke. Yeah, did Liz, Liz take that one up? Uh, Cola Prico, no, she did at first. <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, like, but then she like, she was like, yeah, karaoke. No, no, no. Hell no. She's like, I'm jumping in Lake Michigan. And then I'm Danny in Col- Lake Michigan. There's no question. Danny Colaprico actually had like some real thoughts about it though. Yeah. She said it was her time to shine. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I'll set up her performance at Bub City and we'll see if she shows up. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. That's where the next episode of Southside yeah, Chat is taking place. Uh, this is uh, some more Chicago based ones. Uh, you only can pick one. Uh, you have the option of a Chicago hot dog or a slice of a deep dish pizza. Okay. Y'all are going to, I'm going to be kicked out of Chicago. 
I am a pescatarian, so I will not eat a hot dog. Okay, but they're and vegan. I they're don't vegan like... hot dogs. <laughs> okay, then I'll take that. I'll take that because I don't like cheese. Yeah, okay. Vegan. Okay, there's a Chicago, There's a hot dog stand at Eckert Park, Chicago Avenue, and Noble. Yeah. That place, yep. they have really, have really good they vegan rule. dogs. So yep. Chicago Shout vegan dogs. That we did there. Yep. Yeah, I'll, there I'll, go. I'll, I'll, go tra- I'll go test it out. All yeah, right. we are not we are not a food shaming pod. No. If you are okay. vegan, if you are vegetarian, pescatarian, if you are a lover of meat, great. <laughs> Everyone here is welcome. We have no love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so go get a Chicago dog outside Eckert Park and then see how you feel. Okay, I'm gonna go test so, it. So talk to them about sponsoring us because we just plug them. Yeah. So <laughs> next, next you have to pick one: uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. <sighs> Oh God! I gotta go, LeBron. I'm an LA kid. Oh, that's fine. Oh, sh- oh, oh! You're an LA kid. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm from I'm from Ohio. I'm like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> MJ was like just a li- like legend, right? Yeah. But like, if I were to take somebody, like, you just gotta go with LeBron. Yeah. Like you're 17, and he still yeah, looks I mean, the sure. youngest on the team. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, you know, that's an opinion. So next. <laughs> we're going uh you can only uh you can only have one it's uh either the chicago clubs or the chicago white Sox. who are you going with white Sox. a yeah. much better answer than the previous Don't even have to one think about that one can i ask why um yeah i just as soon as i got here um somebody was like don't like the cubs and i was like okay i'm an angels fan so nice means nothing to me <laughs> yeah um and then Went to a Cubs game, nothing against Wrigley, but I'm just like, I can't even get to the one side of the stadium without purchasing a different ticket. Got it. And then you go into the one side of the stadium. It's not that great. Um, I hate hype teams. And I I moved here right. I didn't move here right when they won the World Series, but like there was so much hype around it that I was just like, get on a different train. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got on the White Sox train and I love it. Yeah. White Sox (laughs) for life. Please stay. There's some good things happening. You were also in excellent company with Sarah Gordon and Sam Kerr. They were like, what yeah. talks? Yeah, yeah. That's that's an easy answer. Uh, there can only be one. I mean, I think I might know your answer on this one, but dogs or cats? Dogs. Yeah, you got a dog. You're a dog. Yep. Uh, I'm a dog lover. Uh, uh, Nikki Stanton and Mackenzie Arnold both abstained from this question. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, if you had to... Um, Pick a song to be your uh, game day hype song. Ooh, which one was it going to be? Some of the players, like uh, I, I, you saw the you saw the playlist, but some of them went in like in all these different directions. Like Yuki was very specific, and she's like, "I don't need a hype song. Like I'm already hyped on game day." <laughs> so she was like, "I need to like like simmer down." So she went with like Billy Joel, Piano Man, and some people like went like all these different uh, directions. So when so, I when I played. I was that player. Like I was already too, like I had to like calm my nerves a little, like not nerves, but just like had to calm myself a little bit. So like, I for sure had like that, like because of you, Kelly Clarkson on the playlist, hundred percent. Wow. But now I think I know, but now like, I feel like I would have to go like some techno, like switch it up to Zed's dead or something like that. Mix in some chance to rap, do a little bit of everything. Um, but honestly, I would still probably have Kelly on there. That's Kelly, perfect. Kelly's my number one. That's amazing. So, right. so your answer so, is Kelly Clarkson because of you? 
Yes, I'm gonna go with that. I, I went that. to her concert when she was just here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have I have a the new the new Clark queen of daytime. Yeah. Kelly I, you you can't hate on Kelly. No. No. Absolutely not. She's a great talent. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening, special treat. We're about to update that game day playlist <laughs> that we put out. <laughs> you. We are going to add Kelly Clarkson. Because yeah. of you. People are just going to put it on repeat. I saw some in, of our in honor of choices. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be there in honor of you. Uh, to close out, uh, to close this out, Justine, we did want to ask you, um, you know, what what's the thing that you're most proud of of your time? Um, oh boy, stars. That's a tough one. Um, you kind of just like set it with like what my title was, um, but I, I I'm not sure if people understand like kind of even what PR and everything kind of entails. So. Um, I grew very close to the players. So leaving them was definitely the hardest part. Um, probably the best part of the job was them, but I would say, oh man, I got to say it's that 17,000 game. It was kind of one of those things that we met as an all staff in May, um, and kind of discussed. And I decided to take charge of it from everything. So from a ticket sales to a marketing, to a PR, to the whole realm, um, and to see that come to life on July 21st was kind of one of those moments. So I got to say this, the, the most recent July 21st game is for sure something I'm most proud of. There's some very cool things. I think the 2017 jersey reveal at the annex, I think this, this reveal and this jersey design, um, definitely are in the books, but I think just from like a full on perspective of, of kind of taking it's kind of, I will say this last season is kind of where I took on a lot more different roles. Um, and I can't thank Arnhem enough for kind of letting a 28, 29 year old kid come in and do all of that. Um, but it's gotta be just kind of taking all of that and seeing what the potential is in Chicago. Um, that that's gotta be the, that's gotta be the one. You, um, yeah, that, those are all amazing, uh, legacy points, by the way, to be leaving. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Those are some like, serious shoes to fill for whoever the next person is uh, coming through. Um, and you maybe sort of touched on this a little bit uh, already in uh, an earlier question that Claire just asked you, but uh, just curious as to what you would like to see in the future from Chicago Red Stars, even if that is from a team or front office standpoint. Yeah, I think just from a league, it's it's growing, right? And so I think Chicago's one of the largest media markets. So I don't think the Chicago Red Stars are ever going anywhere. I know that people always try to try to dice that in um but i think what the whistler family has been able to do is amazing and i think um there's always going to be room for help um and i think whoever comes in and help i don't think you'll ever see the whistler family out of it and arnhem out of it that that man is dedicated um to this team and I, i'm excited to see where they head but obviously would have loved to go out with a ring um that that was the goal that's why I stayed around. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think I think we'll see a ring here in the next few years. I don't know if it's 2020 because I think there's so much change happening um, with Sam leaving. Um, but that also that 2021 class is really strong. Right. Um, so that's exciting. I think you never know what Rory's going to do with all his picks. He may take all five. He may trade all five. He may take one and trade four. Um and I think that 2021 class is so strong. I think we'll see a little upside in that. Um, and and what's exciting, I think, is there, it's it's a lot of forward kind of creator type people in that class. So that's exciting. Um, but just in general, I think I think the Red Stars from a front office are 
are stacked with people that you're going to see make it very far um, in the sports industry. And I think it all credits due to where it is, is, is with Arnhem and who, you know, Elise was before that, but there's some young people in there that I think have a lot of talent. Um, the one that pops immediately into my head is Mike. Um, he's the sales rep there and he's been there. I actually hired him way back when as my intern for communications. Um, but he's learned he's a seller. So he's, he's one. Um, but I think everybody in that front office has just so much heart towards the red stars, right? You don't work for an NWSL team unless you love women's soccer. Um, and so I'm excited to see where each of their roles go, but I also am excited to see, uh, I was, I'm excited to see where my role goes with the NWSL in five years or 10 years or who knows how many, um, I don't know how long I'll be able to stay away from women's soccer because it's definitely the passion. So exciting times ahead for the NWSL, but I think Chicago in two to three years might be bringing home that trophy in the rings to the Chicago area. Would love to see it, to be quite <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah. Wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Wouldn't hate Would it. like that. Yeah. Would, uh, yeah. would in fact just, maybe even like it. Yep. I just think that core, like we mentioned, is, is too, I don't know if anybody has a, if you even take out some of the national team players. So you take out, you know, you're still keeping Danielle Colprico, Julie Ertz, I don't think is ever going anywhere. Um, Casey Short right now, right? Kind of on that brink of, is she allocated or not? I think no matter what, she's she's a force to be reckoned with. Sarah, oh man, you're just deep everywhere. I don't think there's anywhere. And I think you kind of saw that when the World Cup players were gone. Like that's a deep squad. So I think, I think there's some exciting times ahead, even with expansion with this team. Um, with the coaching staff, Rory's proved what he could do. Craig can prove what he's do. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody tries to pull him away because he's so good at what he does. Um, and so it's, it, it's exciting. Um, they're doing everything right. Bringing in mega was a big, big ask, um, from everybody. And we were able to bring in, you know, one of the top people in the country for that. I think we're just too good all around to, uh, be stagnant. What an answer. Uh, two final questions for you. Uh, mm-hmm. probably a big one and please <laughs> feel free to be as honest as you like. <laughs> But, uh, you know, are you still going to listen to this podcast? Obviously. Uh, well, sub-question, follow-up question. Uh, it's the off-season, so as you know, yeah. we never sleep, even if it is the off-season. Uh, we're plotting and scheming and scamming, as we usually do over here at Southside Trap Podcast. Uh, and we are in discussions and currently planning a Patreon. And we threw out a poll, and we got a lot of great feedback. And we were just curious, like, if, you know, if we throw out a Patreon, would you keep listening and would you potentially even subscribe to our Patreon? I'm a, I'm a buyer. You heard it here first. Yeah. You heard it here first. So, folks, stay with us. We're going to have a Patreon all for you to support out there. And, you know, if someone like Justine Freud is going to support that <laughs> and you want to be like her, you should do that. We've got the approval. Oh, man, you so might lose like, people from that. Oh, I don't no. know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Quick, go get us that hot dog sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, guys, uh, this has been real. Uh, I'm really glad we got to do this uh, season year uh, ending review like all together. It's been really dope. Justine, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, usually, whenever we have guests or whenever we close out this show, we plug our handles and where people can find our work. Uh, I don't know if you want to be found, but if there's something you <laughs> want to plug or let the people know, uh, you know how you can alter yourself, please go ahead and do that now. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I used to post a lot more about the Red Stars. Um, I'll probably post it from a fan perspective now. Um, super boring on Instagram because I'm too old to get it. My sister will tell you all of that. Um, but yeah, Twitter is where I'm at, and it's J Freud F R E U D one five. Um, so go ahead and go hit that follow button. I was trying to get to a thousand before I left the Red Stars, and I failed. So, man, wow. It's we'll like I'm not popular. What, we'll see what the fire just, can do for you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to prove to my sister that like people were still on Twitter because she's oh. 19 and that that didn't go well. Ooh. <laughs> well, we're gonna try to give you the Southside Trap bump. We're gonna try to, yes. make it to get you over that hump. It's still off season. It's still it's still it'll still yes. count. It'll it still counts. Count. Yeah, I'll Claire, gonna, to the end of the year. Claire, do you want to outro yourself? Where can people find you in your work? Yeah. Um... I, I, again, I said this last time, I don't know how much content I'm going to be doing between now and at least the draft, but um, you can follow me on Twitter for my off-season <laughs> thoughts. Uh, <laughs> excited for Cats to come out at the end of de- December. You can follow Sweet. for updates on that. Um, it's Scout Ripley, which is also the name of my musical project, which hopefully I'll be able to have some time to focus energy on that in the next couple of months, too. Yeah, we're the same. It's it's the off season. Uh, if you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can also do that on Twitter at Sandra underscore. That's H E R R E R A underscore. Probably just gonna watch a lot of Disney Plus, to be honest. Uh, maybe tweet about that. So sorry if you follow me for the Red Stars. I don't know. Maybe if I get bored enough, I might try to link up some Red Stars and Disney Plus content. We'll see how my brain works. That'd be fire. Season. Right? Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe yeah. we'll, we'll Chicago talk about Red Stars that. as Disney original movies. <laughs> Might happen. We'll see. The uh, high school musical I, TV show. Yeah. Oh, God. Guys, oh we supposed to be bringing each other down you're and right, like love you're right, you're each other right, right. out, not hype each other up right now. But we'll see what happens. You never know. Could be a nice little sweet Christmas gift for you guys. Uh, but I mean, if you all out there don't do anything else, if you don't like to read or like read your content on the internet, you should definitely just continue your support of the Southside Trap podcast. The podcast will help you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars, and you can do that by following us on all social media channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can find us on iTunes, on Podbean, Spotify. Go ahead and like, give us a like, subscribe, give us a review. All that stuff helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce Chicago Red Stars content for you all. And uh, yeah, everybody enjoy your holidays. Have a happy new year and we will see you soon.